plants are the fundamental basis of most life on Earth. When we lose plant species, we're not only losing species, of course, we're, we're losing all of these complex uh, interactions. Hello and welcome to the Common Ground podcast. In a time of ecological and climate crisis, of rising inequality and social injustice, it can all seem just a little bit overwhelming. We get it. And that's why Common Ground brings you the stories of those, driven by passion, who are striving fiercely to make our common home better for all who live here. Each week we'll hear from a new guest who'll tell us all about the issues that spurred them to take action, to help inspire you to create positive and meaningful change in the world. I'm your host, Chess Burnley, geographer, environmentalist and concerned global citizen. Now, did you know that it's thought that one in seven indigenous plant species are under threat of extinction and that each year one plant goes extinct in each English county? My guest this week is the renowned ecologist, botanist and conservationist Joshua Stiles. Dismayed at statistics like these, Josh set up the Northwest Rare Plant Initiative in 2017 to conserve some of Northwest England's rarest plants. Join us as we delve into the magical world of species like the bastard cabbage, as well as what it's like to go against the grain to set up your own plant conservation project. Hope you enjoy. I'm thrilled this week to be joined by Joshua Stiles. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's my pleasure. I'd love to start, if possible, with just taking us back, setting the scene. Where and when did you get started with all of this? Well, I, I first became interested in sort of wildlife in general when I was about six or seven. So when I started um, getting out into the garden and gardening a little bit, growing my own fruit and veg, I remember watching Gardener's World quite a lot. And one day when it was being aired, Monty Don um, was encouraging people to grow some wildflowers. And so I thought, okay, that's the next seed packet that I'll purchase or I'll make my mum purchase for me, uh, should I say. And so I did that. And I remember the first year when everything came up like um, corn chamomile and, and garlic mustard and all these wild plants. And it was only a little strip where I grew the wildflowers, but it was just teeming with life. Um, I used to just sit down, literally, for the best part of the day, just watching what was happening, like all the butterflies laying eggs on stuff, um, all the, the swarms of solitary bees. And so it was that year, after I watched Monty Don encourage people to grow wildflowers, that I actually trashed the whole vegetable and fruit garden, got rid of everything wow. and replaced everything with native plants. Um, and it sort of, my interest sort of grew from there uh, when I was really, really young. Um, became a volunteer with the Wildlife Trust in my early to mid-teens, got my degree and um, got a few jobs now so so you you did a bsc in ecology is that right i have yeah, uh, yeah. and i'm currently doing my master's degree as wow. well at mmu so it's called um ecological monitoring and biological recording Ooh. but it's it's fantastic masters because there are so many modules to pick from and of course i've chosen all of the botanical ones so 
yeah, it's really good, really good masters. Because that was something I was going to pick up on. When people sort of think about conservation, they typically think about animal conservation. I mean, is that a fair? Is that fair to say? You guys? Yeah, no, that's totally. <laughs> that's completely fair. That's that's entirely fair. I mean, what I do with something called the Northwest Rare Plants Initiative. It's a botanical conservation program where I reintroduce very rare species. And so when you think of reintroduction and conservation, you do tend to think of animals. And that's also partly because plant reintroductions, it might surprise you to, to find out, but a lot of botanists, particularly older botanists, tend to frown on plant reintroductions and label it as gardening. But yeah, no, that's that's a completely fair comment. So it sounds like they're not particularly approving of plant reintroductions, would you say? Or they're so, a bit dismissive of it? Some of them are, um, for various reasons. But ultimately, um, all of the reintroductions that I've been involved in with plants, um, they're strictly in line with, with various guidance documents. It's not gardening it's 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 technical conservation so just talk us about sort of the journey leading up to setting the initiative and what that's involved because it it sounds like quite a large undertaking with quite a large number of species well effectively i've run this botanical conservation program i aim to conserve over 40 target species that are on the cusp of extinction in the region and how i got there is i was really really lucky um, at the end of my BSc undergrads um, graduation, in that I was a recipient of um, a little scholarship where I got a bit of money. Um, and so for about a week, I was thinking of how can I spend this money? Um, and then at the end of the week, I decided I'll buy some cultivation materials uh, and start growing some of the fantastic plants that I used to read about when I was a child and when I've uh, plants I've been coming across um, as a recorder, as an ecologist. Um, and, then, and then soon after I decided to spend my little bit of money that way, um, I, I actually got Chester Zoo and Lancashire Wildlife Trust quite interested. And I'm really lucky in that they are both funding me. How did you decide what species that needed conserving and how on earth do you conserve a plant how does that work Ooh, okay <laughs> um well i decided on target species through looking through things called rare plant registers so every county has something called a rare plant register and i remember as a kid uh, looking through my rare plant register really sad childhood and every year it was really, really upsetting, especially as a child, um, to see like um, something go from one or two sites and then the next year it's labelled as extinct. Really upsetting. So um, I, I used these rare plant registers to identify plants that had either gone extinct locally or that are about to um, go extinct. And I talked to uh, local botanists and I identified species that are on the cusp of extinction. There are plants like lesser bladderwort. It's a carnivorous plant and also one of the fastest plants in the world. It's able to capture invertebrates in one ten thousandth of a second. Well, as fascinating as lesser bladderwort is and, and how amazing it is, unfortunately, because of historical habitat loss, 
In the northwest, bar a couple of sites in Cumbria, it was restricted to a single puddle in Delamere. You've chosen the species. So do you translocate them then and sort of propagate yeah. them and sort of grow uh, them up? Is essentially, that right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, essentially, it depends on the species, but I will sample plants in line with something called the BSBI Code of Conduct. Now, what that says is essentially take one in 20 plants so that you don't harm um, rare plant species and their populations. So that's what I've done is I, I sample, I usually sample plants in line with that code of conduct. And I also normally do it with natural England consent. I, I move plants usually into cultivation, grow them on, and then I will reintroduce those. Um, after detailed suitability studies and, and relevant permissions and everything else. It's, it's a complex process, but yeah. I was just thinking as you, as you spoke then, you know, if that plant can only be found in that one tiny puddle and, you know, the responsibility mm. to get that right must be quite, a, quite large. Do you, is that fair or do you not think of it <laughs> like that? No, I don't think of it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I don't know. I don't I don't feel that way um I just want to re-establish these things and see populations recover and, and just talking about lesser bladder work that I mentioned moments ago this one puddle just to elaborate on the story a little bit it's also surrounded by forestry commission pine plantation um and so unfortunately there's this one site left um, but it's very likely that that one little puddle, that one population will go extinct in the next 10, 20 years. And so, and so that just, that just shows, um, just that one story um, shows how important it can, how really important it is sometimes um, to think about the need for plant reintroductions. Um, I mean, this one puddle is surrounded by forestry, so it's never going to disperse to suitable and um, sites all on its own yeah. So, yeah goodness me no it's um it's unbelievable really to think that we've got to this point where some plants do only exist you know in one place what what, what are some of the reasons that, that that's happened well um typically habitat loss habitat degradation yeah. i mean you, you hear the statistic that we've lost 97 plus percent of our wildflower meadows the story is uh, lesser bladderwort lives on peatlands, so hostile environments with really low nutrient levels. And so the, the story, unfortunately, is similar for peatlands in England, where we've lost over 94% of our peatlands. And so, of course, habitat loss and degradation of um, the fragments that are left, they're the primary reasons for rare plant declines and extinctions but it's not all bad news in in 2018 with this i'll just keep talking about less blood work if no, you no, don't I stop love it. me no, I, no 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 please <laughs> okay sure well um it took me a little while but i got permission to sample a very small number of plants from this one puddle left in delamere forest so i cultivated it and i've reintroduced that to quite a few sites um, especially in greater manchester now um, I, I reintroduced it in late 2018 to Greater Manchester and monitored it, uh, the, the species population there, uh, last, late last year. The population there now far exceeds this little puddle in Delamere. 
And there are over 30,000 individuals that, um, that's the current population estimate. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic. Oh, well, no, that is, I mean, I mean, it's so <laughs> wonderful to hear because, um, you know, when these species do go extinct, you know, how, how does that sort of, how does that make you feel? The main reason that I personally have got involved in rare plant conservation is so that other people can see what these species are. And when I was a kid, uh, looking through these rare plant registers, there are species like great sundew, this big carnivorous plant that were described as formerly abundant on some sites. And I was never able to see that as a kid. Um, and so reintroducing these plants, it, it's great for the restoration. It goes some way towards restoring the sort of natural ecology of, of these sites. But also it, it brings back species that kids like me could go and see and be really happy about so nature does have a sort of a wonderful sort of effect on our mental well-being and it's um yeah definitely being mm. outside and that kind of thing Re reintroduction of, of plant species in particular it's as you say you, you think of um animal reintroductions more than you think of plant reintroductions but plant reintroductions are arguably a lot more important because of course, plants are the fundamental basis of most life on Earth. We've lost a great many species, um, like, for example, just keeping on the topic of our peatlands, the raised peat bogs of Lancashire used to be host to extensive swathes of a plant called white beak sedge. And so we've entirely, we, we entirely lost that species in the mid 1800s. But not only have we lost that species, white beak sedge is the primary, was the primary listed food plant for a very, very rare butterfly called the large heath butterfly. It's also host to some very, very rare fungi um, called smut fungi. Um, now smut fungi have a lot of pharmacological potential. And so when we lose plant species, we're not only losing species, of course, we're, we're losing all of these complex uh, interactions. That's, an, of course, another massive reason why plant reintroduction should be seen um, as very, very important in ecological restoration. I love all of these names. Uh, <laughs> they sound absolutely fantastic. And, uh, oh, they know, are. <laughs> full of character. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, there are some peculiar plant names. I best not talk about bastard cabbage. No, do talk about um, bastard cabbage, please. <laughs> oh no, it's just the name. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lovely plant called bastard toe flat, and that's a semi-parasite of chalk grassland. But um, yeah, there's some really, really strange plant names. They're all charismatic, but yeah. yeah. What's your advice to people who want to sort of engage with the issue, whether that's plant conservation or, you know, they listen to this podcast and are introduced for the first time to the sort of the level of degradation that's happening to some of these environments? What can people sort of proactively be doing? Well, it all depends really on what knowledge they have and what skills they might have. But one thing that's really important if you want to make a, a difference to the natural world is is probably to be volunteering for your local wildlife trust. Um, I know my local wildlife trust do um, a tremendous amount of work um, that is benefiting some really really special um, habitats 
um, some really, really special species. And, help that, and they also help to reverse some of those declines. So again, keeping on the topic of peatlands, um, there's one peat bog left in North Lancashire called Winmarley Moths. What they've done there is they've removed all the agricultural soil off an adjacent field. And they're turning that back into a peatland, wow. into a functional peat bog. And so they're actually expanding these areas, these fragments of, of good habitat left. And so that's that's one thing I'd definitely say to to do if if you want to make a difference, volunteer with with your local wildlife trust. What hurdles have you faced on your journey? Has this all been place hailing or? There, there've been a, a a few hurdles. Um, the the first one is that I, I'm a an ecology consultant, so I, I do surveys for housing developers for four days a week. So. Finding the time to do <laughs> this uh, or, or reintroduction work can be a bit difficult, but I've done it. Um, another hurdle is I've, although most people are very supportive of plant reintroductions because it's or, or certainly some the the reintroductions that I do, I like to think they're done in the light of the best available science. Um, but I've faced a couple of hurdles with some people criticising certain aspects of what I do. For example, I've had a certain conservation practitioner message me and say that they don't agree with anything that I do with plant reintroductions. And the rationale behind that was because apparently reintroductions incentivize developers to destroy um, important habitats, safe in the knowledge that they'd be able to mitigate for that loss. But I completely disagree with that sentiment, of course. No, that, I mean, that, that's quite hard, isn't it? Because obviously it comes all from a, a good place. I was going to sort of finish with a little uh, quickfire round. That sounds good. So just a few okay, sort of yeah. quick questions. Sure. Favourite plant of all time? Oh, um, <laughs> I, I don't... I, I love all plants equally. However... Um, one plant that I'm very interested in at the moment is something called a fen dandelion. Now it might surprise you to know that there are around 250 different dandelion species in Britain. They're all very different um, and the fen dandelion is a very special plant because it's, it's a rare species. It's red list vulnerable, one degree below endangered and it's, it's really pretty and likes pristine habitat so um, that's a plant I'm interested in at the moment yeah <laughs> there are a few records on the Sefton coast which is in an important plant area um, but I haven't actually seen it in the flesh yet yeah. it might surprise you to know <laughs> um, I, I'm looking for it keeping your eyes out okay no yeah. good self-care this might be sort of slightly off-piste um, but sort of one of the things I'm trying to do with guests is, is to talk a little bit more about self-care. Anything that you do for the benefit of your mental health or your physical health, is, is self-care something you practice? I see self-care as um, getting outside and immersing myself with plants and wildlife. So that's what I would think of as self-care. So you're quite lucky in a way that you've sort of been able to marry your love of ecology and plants you know with your job and so essentially what you do for self-care is you know what you do on a day-to-day -day basis yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, people all ask me what my hobbies are, and it's the same as my job. So, <laughs> so yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Um, favorite quotation, motto, or mantra that you live by? Oh Do you, God, not at all. Uh, I don't know. I like to say plants are the fundamental basis of all life on Earth quite a lot, and I quote it to my colleagues, um, ecologists, quite a lot, who are all obsessed with animals so uh, yeah just to remind them of where plants belong <laughs> yes make a reminder good um and personal, yeah. personal hero um my personal hero oh gosh it's probably um it's it's um a, an old friend near me it's a guy called phil smith um and he's been recording um a lot of different uh, taxonomic groups from invertebrates to plants to birds etc for a very long time and he's really knowledgeable um he pipes up if there's uh, a development that destroys a rare plant or or, or something like that so he's, he's a little bit influential with um counselors etc so um yeah that's, that's <laughs> fantastic good um a final question what would you like people to sort of take away from your story and your journey and, and what you've been doing? Um, well, I would love people to be interested in plants. They're not, at the very least, they're not all just green things. They're each individual species is so fantastic. And you might think when you see a common plant like red campion, you might think, oh, that's boring. But if you think about the interactions between red campion and other things, it, it's fantastic. Like there's a moth that lays eggs on the seed capsules that burrow into the, the capsules and eat all the seeds. It's called a campion moth. It's fantastic um, for, for night flying moths as a, a source of, of nectar, etc. So um, one takeaway message is, is uh, I don't know, love plants a little bit more. <laughs> no no honestly fantastic well um thank you so much for your time today and for joining me it's okay really appreciated a huge thanks to josh for his time josh is so enthusiastic about plants and he's introduced me to a whole magical new world of species out there that many of us just don't know about like most plants and animals the sad reality is that these species are at risk I really hope that our conversation has got you thinking about what you might be able to offer the natural world. Maybe you'll be inspired to create your own wildflower patch in your garden, or as Josh suggested, think about volunteering for your local wildlife trust. Let us know your takeaways, as well as your thoughts, feedback, and guest suggestions over at our Common Ground Co. Instagram page. So, until next week, it's been a pleasure. Thank you all so much for listening, and see you soon.